What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Sports Card Strategy Show. I'm Paul Hickey with NoOffSeason.com. This is episode, for those of you who care, 72. And I've got my main man, Kendall, the lefty, McKee, flashing the biceps and the McLaren hat. What's up, brother? I just thought I would root for every sucky team on the planet. You know, we got Everton, bottom of the league, McLaren, bottom of the of the the uh, freaking what's it called? Uh, paddock. Grid. Yeah, I mean, it's just horrible. It's just horrible, bro. I know. I know. Uh, we, we And now we and you got the Detroit Tigers on. We're just a bunch of suckers out here. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm a Michigan State guy, too. So there's that. Oh, bro. You could have left the bottom, that one at, the bottom. You could have left that one at home. I know we're at the, we're at the bottom of the standings lefty. What can you do? You know, there's only, there's nowhere to go, but up. And today's show is going to perform a lot better than our teams have performed. That's for sure. I tell True. you all that. Cause not only do we have lefty McKee, we've got Chad Gill coming up later in the show for his uh, flip to fund your PC segment, which was outstanding. The last time we had him Craig's cards, 11, is in the audience. What's up, Craig's Cards 11? Good to see you. Hoosiers. Um, way to represent. Way to represent. Um, With the Tesla. Let us know if you have any comments or questions or L's or W's or buys or sells. Oh, my shoes in the house. Ready for some sports card strategy show? Love it. So um, yeah, so not only do we have Lefty McKee and Chad Gill, but we've got you, our amazing audience. And thank you uh, to everyone for making the sports card strategy show, I would say one of the hottest, if not the hottest podcast for sports cards right now. I mean, we are blowing up. So let's keep it going, guys. It's all about you, the audience, making it happen. We love our audience participation. So email us your questions. Uh, drop us your questions in the live stream. Hit us up on social media at no offseason card on Twitter at Sports Card Strategy Show on Instagram at Lefty McKee everywhere that social media exists. And uh, don't forget that you can get our premium content at nooffseason.com free for a year. Just email me at paul at nooffseason.com to find out how. And that's also the email address if you want to send me your questions. If you got feedback on the show, definitely let me know. Want to make this better for you. Got a lot, got a lot to talk about today, Lefty. So let's get into it. Um, let's start with L of the week. So this is kind of what we were alluding to a minute ago. <laughs> My L of the week, I have two. One is Ja Morant. Uh, oh yeah. Ja Morant has to be addressed because it is it is a topic that can affect his card value. Um, you know, we've seen athletes with off the field issues be a concern for sports card investors. I would like to know from the audience, drop a comment. Uh, if you are concerned about Ja Morant now, um, I can't say that I'm not concerned. Let, let's put it that way because I'm, I understand how um, athletes can get in trouble off the field and that, that effect that can derail a career. It can derail a young promising career, even for a guy like Ja Morant. Um, we've seen it, we've seen it happen in the NFL a lot. We've, we used to see it happen in the NBA more, although it, it's, it's, uh, 
you know, Miles Bridges is the only one in recent memory for me, but I know there's probably more. Brian Steeler714, good morning to you, our fellow Bowman brother as well. Hopefully we'll be we'll be able to talk some baseball in this episode. Um, but yeah, John Morant, uh, I'll I'll leave it at that. You know, flashing the gun. Now that brought up some other my understanding is that that brought up some off-season issues that occurred where he punched a 17-year-old uh, during a pickup game. And then he, then Ja was the one who filed charges against the 17-year-old because apparently the other guy started it, according to Ja. But anyway, it's just, it's a little bit like, this is what happens is like when one of these things occurs, things from people's past bubble up and then you're like, holy crap. Like who, who is Ja Morant? Um, so that's, that's unfortunate. And then my other one is Oscar Piastri. This is an obvious one for those of you who have listened to past episodes of the sports card strategy show or been, uh, at nooffseason.com to check out our content. Oscar is a guy for the last year, almost exactly a year ago, I started touting Oscar as a guy to buy in sports cards. Now, it's his first race. This might be a little bit of an overreaction. I kind of like we, we kind of knew he was going to go through some of this where, um, you know, you can't just step on the grid right away as a rookie and, and dominate like you did in F3 and F2, of course. So Oscar still has a lot of upside. I'm not saying that he's an overall L. I'm saying he's just the L of the week because when I was checking, the, I didn't watch the race, but I, I, I checked in on the ESPN app as I was out and about, and I just saw he was already out. So that was just like, okay, that's an L. Uh, Got to talk about that on the sports card strategy show. I don't think that we would see like a huge dip in his card prices or anything because he's still that hot prospect for the season. You're you're touting the McLaren hat. What do you think of what do you think of my L's of the week, Lefty? And we definitely get into yours if you want. Yeah, I think um, the John Morant stuff is is tough. You know, I mean, it's just like I'll just leave that one there. I mean, it's just like. It's it is what it is, but it, the guy's got to be smarter. Um, you know, like you're you're the one of the best athletes in the league. You don't see LeBron doing that. Um, but other than that, uh, man, I'm super excited for the rest of the season. Or uh, let me say this: coming into the season, I was excited for McLaren. Uh, horrible testing day, horrible first race in Bahrain. Uh, Oscar like had a gearbox failure was actually running pretty well. Um, he, you know, he was passing people arguably driving better than Lando, which is impressive in itself. Lando's the top driver in the grid, I think. Um, and then Lando's car was just decimated too, but, but finished the race barely. I mean, like, he was very back, very back, but I think it was just like a precedent that McLaren just wanted him to finish the race. Uh, they didn't want to have both drivers um, pit early, uh, but but Oscar was really running well. I mean, you even see that like today he was like, I'm disappointed for how the race went, uh, but I'm ex- I'm excited about future races because we were running well um, and and he was passing people and and being the guy that we think he's going to be. So honestly, if his prices are dropping right now, go scoop some up. I don't. I don't want to say like he's going to move on from McLaren, but what I do see is like uh, Russell had struggles at his first team. 
And now look what he is, you know, like, so it's not just like these drivers are just taking over instantly. It's not like in other sports where you can just dominate instantly. I mean, like there's a reason that these old dudes are on the grid forever. Like it, there's a lot of experience that is related to the sport. And um, um, congrats for Alonzo for making the, the podium uh, for the 99th time in his history. So pretty sweet absolutely absolutely that that's another discussion i'd like to maybe get into is f1 collectors versus investors are people is because because for me i and if you listen to the show this probably won't surprise you but i'd be like okay sell fernando alonso but like but i don't know that that's necessarily a sell just because people are collecting him so if and and, and especially f1 F1 card collectors and investors. And maybe we can get into that a little bit more in the sell of the week and flip to fund your PC. That strikes me as a flip to fund your PC potential move. If you're, if you're an Alonzo collector, are you, are you selling a bunch of Alonzo stuff that you've been holding for a while to flip it into maybe a bigger Alonzo card right now? Because he did, because he is, you know, getting the headlines right now based on his his podium in Bahrain. So let us know. Let us know what you're doing. I'm I'm curious to know. Um, Lefty, do you have an do you have an L of the week other than the fact that you were just like without power for for a week? <laughs> Absolutely, bro. Like that was horrible. These storms in Central Kentucky. Uh, there was no like there was tornadoes touching down and everything, but there's trees all over our city that are just like falling on houses and stuff. It's kind of ridiculous. So uh, if you guys think about Central Kentucky, go ahead and send up a prayer. Uh, it's been a, it's been wild out here. We didn't have power for, I think, like almost two days or something. And there's other people that won't have power till like Wednesday. My place of employment doesn't have power uh, and it won't until Wednesday. It's pretty wild. So um, it is what it is. But we are safe here at the McKee household, at the lefty household. You know, thanks for the so. for the uh good thanks, wish shoes. Girl, my shoes yeah that's great um i feel the same way glad glad you guys are safe glad you got glad you have power i certainly don't have the patience that you have so that i don't know what i would have done um we dot we we were okay here in tennessee we got like one quick little power outage and then i had to reset my clock on my stove and my microwave so oh man tough bad. out there for the hickey i know family. super super tough uh all right, so my win of the week, I just got to talk about my guy Tyrese Maxey real quick. Um, I think it's, I think, you know, he's a guy that um, definitely is a favorite, has become a favorite, no notable favorite of the hobby for sort of obvious reasons. He's, he lit it up at the end of his rookie season. He followed it up with a great sophomore season. He's having a, uh, he was injured in, you know, most of this season, his third season, but he's, he basically doc rivers eased him back into the lineup after he came back. And so for a while there, it looked like it was a buy lower. It was a buy slightly lower opportunity for Tyrese Maxey because two reasons, D'Anthony Melton uh, was on fire while Maxey was out and Maxey was out. And then, and then the other part of that is that when Maxi came back, if you're not following like the Sixers closely or the Sixers beat writers, 
you may not realize that like Maxi didn't actually lose his starting job to D'Anthony Melton. It was actually like Doc Rivers playing the hot hand and the healthy hand because he had the luxury and he didn't have to rush Maxi back in. Well, what you've seen over the last week is like Maxi is now back and he's back in the starting lineup and he's back putting up the numbers that he was putting up. Um, and I'll talk, I'll roll, you know, I'll rattle off some numbers here in a second, but essentially it's like over 20 points in each of his last three games. And in some cases, not even playing close to a full game yet. So we're seeing the Tyrese Maxi that I think that hobby all expected to see. And so the reason why I wanted to call this out as my win of the week is because I think I might've gotten one of my last buy lower maxi cards and I don't usually go for origins, but this one I bought for a hundred dollars. I wanted in an auction. Uh, I think maybe one Oh two was the final price. Um, and sometimes, and that's actually, that actually is notable. So like one Oh two fifty. And and that's notable because like, if you go in and you put in a, a bid, like lefty and I talked about this in, I think the last episode, if you go in and you put in a bid of, a hundred dollars and then you, you you set it and forget it you might be the highest bid up until the final minute of that auction but somebody's gonna come in and snipe you at like 101 or 102 and so what i've started to do if i really want the card is i'll do something like i'll go higher a little bit higher than normal by maybe like five or ten dollars but i won't make it an even number i'll make it like something that's like a random favorite number of mine like even in this, the dollars and the cents, just because that's going to give you more of an opportunity to actually win that bid. This one is a, uh, out of 49 and it just looked like the seller from, from a seller standpoint in terms of uh, positive feedback, not a whole lot of sales, but positive feedback. You can't, you're never going to really be able to tell origins typically have some soft corners and stuff. So I'm expecting at least one soft corner on this. You can't tell from the photo, but the fact the way that it's packaged in already in the the one touch with the sleeve over the one touch and the fact that it was um, a lower price Tyrese Maxi out of 49 rookie auto. Like that, that's kind of what it, it's a simple move. If I didn't win it, it wasn't gonna, it wasn't gonna uh, upset me. I won it. I thought it was a good price. So I wanted to call that out as a win mainly because it because Maxi is a guy to just kind of put a bow on at this point. I think he I think you probably stop buying Maxi now. I think now is the time. Hopefully you acquired Maxi and you're holding him as the Sixers uh roll into the playoffs. Just a couple quick things before I pass it over to Lefty here. Um basically Maxi is okay, he's uh yeah, points. So March 1st at the Heat, 27 points in 37 minutes. At the Mavericks the next night on a back-to-back, 29 points. Uh, on, on This is over 50% shooting from the field, too. Um, or right around 50% shooting from the field. 29 points in 34 minutes, and then 26 points in 41 minutes. He's the real Cam Thomas. Cam Thomas was the guy that we were trying to figure out who's going to be the next Maxi. Maxi's the real deal guy on a Sixers team that just beat, that just ended the Bucks, um, huge win streak. So I think I'm excited. 
I'm excited about Maxi moving forward, probably more so than I have been. Last thing on Maxi is I did just a quick reminder. I did buy this one from um, Joe the Farmer. Is it Joe the Farmer? Are you out there listening? Let us know um, at the uh, at the Culture Collision card show. Five hundred bucks variation uh, rookie ticket auto. Not a whole lot of comps of this one comp for over $500 in December and January. I bought it for 500. So um, variation premium edition auto PSA 10. So this could be lefty. You know, if Maxi takes it to the NBA finals and is a stud, this is going to be a sell. And put, Absolutely. Put it against the mortgage. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, Maxi's just been incredible. I think, you know, we've said that a, a thousand times on this podcast, at least. Uh, one of the guys that we can't stop talking about because he honestly can't stop doing good things. I mean, he's the youngest guy on the team. He's like offensively carrying the team when Harden and Embiid are needing rests. Like, and it's not like there's a lull in the rotation. You put Maxi in there, and he's he's definitely brings a different element to the Sixers because he's the quickest guy out there. You know, like they've got role players that all fit their team. They've got a guy to do certain things. It's not like the old Sixers where it was just like a bunch of dudes that were seven foot tall. You know, like um, this team's kind of dangerous. And I would say they're my dark horse for the Eastern Conference. So um, they're like my hedge, like against the Bucks because I don't, I love the Bucks. I want the Bucks to win, but I'm buying Maxi as like a hedge because then if Philly. <laughs> Gets past him. I've got my maxi cards, but I'm not it, buying maxi. I already bought maxi. Let me clarify. I'm not going to go buy more because I think now it could be a little bit of a risk. Yeah, I think um, at this point, it, it's it's something that Philadelphia teams in every sport have been in the finals <laughs> and they've lost in every sport in the finals. Uh, so if Philly gets to the finals this year and they lose to a Western Conference team, I'd be pretty shocked. So, like, if they get there, I think whoever gets there from the uh, East wins the NBA Finals. I don't think the West really has a chance to, to win it. So. But, but I also want to point out some other names in basketball that are doing some things that are notable. Um, IQ, Emmanuel quickly paid 55 minutes last night out of the total 58 minutes that the Knicks played last night. This Knicks team is fifth in the East, not a contender, I don't think, for the Eastern Conference, but quickly is doing some things that are that's pretty impressive as well. Him and Maxie were teammates at Kentucky, and he often gets uh, overlooked by Maxie and should, honestly. You know, they're different players completely, but uh, quickly is becoming a player of his own as well. Like, pretty outstanding player. Um, you know, definitely different from a from a from a top end perspective but i like what he's doing out there in new york as well um goes ahead with the line last night of shooting 53 percent or uh you know 536 from the field on 28 shots 417 from three he had 38 eight and seven last night in a 55 point or a 55 minute win against boston like that's a game that is a game so quickly could be a buy, uh, I think. Um, it depends on how far the Knicks go, just because quickly is not in the media. I mean, everybody's talking about Maxi and, and all these super dudes like Joel and all these, uh, you know, Tatum and everything. How many times have you heard quickly's name in card collecting? 
Yeah, definitely not anywhere near the rest of the guys, but just slightly enough to definitely pique my interest. I, I, I absolutely agree with you that he's an interesting name. He's very Maxi-esque for all the reasons that you mentioned. He's in New York, which is obviously the biggest market in, in anywhere. And so you've got a huge opportunity with Quickly. I think um, the 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 only risk with Quickly, I think, is just buying the right cards at the right time. You know, he scored, he put up 38 last night. So great call on him. I think what's, I mean, Brunson was out maybe. I could be wrong, but um, I think Brunson was either limited or out, maybe dealing with some kind of nagging injury. So this, what I would do with this one, Lefty, is I would say, like, put quickly on your on your short list for buying him when he puts up eight Two. to ten points. Yeah, yeah. Something, and and does that for a few games in a row. But but definitely the Knicks are right now in the fifth spot. They're right there. So quickly is a guy that could be a buy um, over the next few weeks, like a little bit further removed from his thirty eight point night. Um, but then could put 38 up in a playoff game and then that could be yeah i think the bottom half of the east is 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 really it's tough like i mean all those teams are kind of just you know and so i could see the new york uh knicks winning their first playoff series uh and then at that point you know you could flip him into something i think but uh also wanted to take a minute to talk about j-dub jalen williams I think the Thunder knocked this pick out of the park. Like that's another loser team that I'm a fan of. But uh, but Jalen Williams um, has been incredible. He's the Jalen Williams from uh, the first round Jalen Williams. And he's from, I think, like, frick. I should have looked this up before I said anything. But he's from a smaller school. Keep talking about him and I'll look it up. <laughs> and... The other Jalen Williams is nice too, but he's a second rounder. But Jalen Williams had the opportunity to be the second first round pick that the Thunder that drafted this year. And of course, Chet Holmgren was like their big player. And Jalen, I think, had Chet not been hurt or had he not been hurt, I don't think Jalen would have really got the minutes that he had this year. And he's just been incredible. I mean, he's top 100 in the league, especially in points categories, scores 32 points last night. Uh, I mean, Shea is out and he's carrying this team. I mean, 32, five and five last night, and he hasn't uh, eclipsed less than 10 points since February 23rd. And at that point he had nine, he has 22, 15, 27, 24, 20, and 32. I mean, this kid loves to dunk. He loves to be a high riser. He's a guy that's, that's, uh, that's a really like fun player to watch. And I just think the Thunder got it right again. Love you talking about that. So this is Jalen with an E Williams, uh, the the twelfth uh, overall pick. He's from Santa Clara. There it is, Santa Clara. I wanted to say San Diego State. I was like, that's not right. Yeah, I mean, so, so, close sounding with the with the uh, with the S sound, but Jalen Williams with an I, J A Y L I N, was the second round pick, number thirty four overall, six ten from Arkansas. Yeah. So. I mean, simple way to understand whose card you're pulling or bidding on. Uh, J-A-L-E-N is the guy uh, Kendall's talking about, even though it's definitely uh, a bit confusing with the same same first name. Um, yeah, love that you're talking about him because, you know, there's 
basketball card strategy is huge. I'm I'm a basketball card guy mainly because there's less risk in basketball from a longer term. You have a longer runway for potential upside in ba- with basketball cards. This this is a bit of a opinionated soapbox of mine, so feel free, audience, to agree, disagree, push back, have this be a discussion. But one of the reasons, the thing, okay, we all love the hobby because like we can all pick whatever we want, right? There's so many different options, so we can we we can decide what to collect, what to invest in, what to take a chance on, all this stuff, which is fun. Um, and then there's obviously tons of different sets and brands, but from a sports standpoint. Football to me is super risky because you have almost no margin for error when it comes to injuries. Um, baseball has an element of risk in that you get when Bowman Chrome firsts come out, um, they're when they first come out, they're extremely expensive. So yeah. you're buying in at the top of at the top of the market, and you have to really get good at prospecting to make money. So there, but there's opportunity there, but there's also prospect fatigue and there's not a guarantee that everybody's going to make it to the major leagues. So there's that risk in baseball. Um, F1, there's just really a few guys who are going to perform. Like you're not like, there's not as many guys, which I like about F1. So it's kind of like narrower. Um, my thing with bat and soccer spread out all over the world. So that's very hard to invest in thing I like about basketball compared to everything I just named is that um, less injuries, less players. Um, Typically it's when somebody puts up a career high night or is on the top five plays um, or makes the all-star team. Like just, it's, it's more predictable to hit the markers and then the markers do what you thought the markers were going to do in basketball and you can have guys like Marvin Bagley be the second overall pick, do nothing for like four years and then get traded and you see a spike. Like it's just so so a guy like Jalen Williams um, is is easy to overlook, but he he fits every single thing that we always talk about. And he's just sitting there as a NBA player and he could he could he could be a solid role player on the thunder for three years. And then all of a sudden he could become an all-star, you know, and become very significant or he could get traded. And I mean, so there's a lot of different, a lot of different reasons to like a guy like Jalen Williams and didn't mean to cut you off lefty. So can come back around to this, but my two, um, my two buys fit this exact mold of Jalen Williams. Um, so my two buys are uh, super risky, but only because they have only because like you'd be spending a hundred or so dollars to maybe get a guy who doesn't perform um, for a little while, and then I think eventually performs. So really, I think the, the only risk with these two guys is that. Not that there won't be opportunities to sell them, but it just it could be a little longer than you think. One's Michael Porter Jr., who I was just not interested in at all um, for the last few years for injury reasons. And so he's still super risky. But the thing I like about Michael Porter Jr. right now 
is that now this is my bias, right? So we're, <laughs> we're getting into my bias. Um, Michael Porter Jr., like contenders, rookie ticket autos are in, in BGS, Gem Mint 9.5 and in PSA 10s, they're, they're less than $150. Contenders, rookie ticket autos, just base contenders, rookie ticket autos, less than $150. Now, when you go up to say the optic rookie ticket auto in a Gem Mint grade, um, you're going to be, you're going to be looking at, you know, several hundred dollars, but even the ungraded, uh, Michael Porter Jr. or the PSA nine, Michael Porter Jr. of the optic, super cheap. Um, talking like if, you know, if you can find it, the last, last comps are hundred, hundred, hundred and fifty dollars of this card. Um, I just think it's super interesting to look, you know, prism auto PSA tens of Michael Porter Jr. have been going for, um, less than $200 in some cases, less than a hundred dollars. Uh, the prism auto isn't as sought after as the contenders, but because he's on an, because he's healthy right now, knock on wood. And because he's on a nuggets team who could come out of the West has two, two, yeah, two I mean, they're probably the team out of the West. I would say. Right? And I think because for that reason, I think Michael Porter jr. Is a buy because he's a he's a he's a quick flip. Michael Porter Jr. is not a long term hold. If you're interested in a quick NBA playoffs bet flip, that's 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 a guy. The other guy who is more of a long term hold in the ilk of Kendall's Jalen Williams, although not performing uh, there right now, is Zaire Williams. I mentioned him uh, yeah. back in October as a guy that I really liked. I actually went and bought a bunch of Zaire Williams. Um, prism cards for like nothing just to see like could he be a penny stock and you know 10th overall pick in 2021 out of stanford six foot nine he's still only 21 he's bounced back and forth between the g league and the grizzlies so he's not i mean he's the lo- i think he's the lowest of the low that he's ever gonna be I think he, like he's in the G League right now to give you an idea. So he's super risky. He, there is nothing guaranteed about Zaire Williams. I just like him as a player. I like the flashes that I saw from him last year as a rookie. I think maybe I like to think maybe he's down into the G League because he was injured later this year and the Grizzlies just feel like they want to get him some more playing time. The Grizzlies are super deep. So I like to think that Zaire Williams is still a guy who comes out in the next couple of years and sparks and sees some card prices increase. So now would be the time to go get him if you're willing to take more of a long-term risk. So those are my buys. One short-term risk, one long-term risk. Yeah, I think I, I love the Michael Porter Jr. play. I mean, he was the number one, number one player out of Washington in that, uh, in that that class, so and if he hadn't had all the back injuries coming in, he would still probably be a really high profile player. So he's kind of a sleeper down there. If he's healthy, I mean, he's going to be an electric player, and he's a super big dude that can shoot and and like play it on the floor. I mean, it's a nice player. My buys of the week are MLS related, which I know you love. Yes, uh, but I think there's a guy here on LAFC who is an international player that's going to turn some heads, especially um, from, I mean, we even saw it in week 
uh, two because it was week one for him, but week two um, because LAFC did not play in week one. But LAFC has probably one of the biggest markets in the MLS. Uh, you saw Gareth, like Gareth Bale went there last year. You've seen guys like Will Farrell invested in the team who's also trying to get uh, some shares in the Wrexham uh, list over there in, in, in Wales. And so you, you, there's a guy on this team that I'm watching that I think could take the next step this year, potentially as a big international signing or uh, just a guy that takes over the league and the, and the national football scene looks at as like, this dude is incredible. Um, he's a guy that's named, I'm going to butcher the name, but it's uh quad uh, Apoku, but they call him Mahala Apoku, but he is the striker for LAFC was sitting behind a couple of guys last year. They traded Araujo back. They, or they, they moved him to uh, the Mexican league. And this guy is rising up because they took one of their best players and moved him because this guy was sitting underneath him. I think he's a guy that's, that's going to be really, really incredible. We saw him do some awesome things in week two, which was week one for his club. Uh, but his autos right now, his rookie card autos out of are like this is a Sapphire Edition MLS. I'm looking at it right now for $39. I mean, these autos are very obtainable. I think we could see a big spike for him. He also is Ghanaian, so um, I, he could play for the uh, the Ghana national team, which is a team out of Africa that gets some publicity. So it, he's a guy that I could see rising pretty well. So it's a very, very um, low-end buy, but I think could play out maybe not over the next 6 to 12 months, but potentially over the next 6 to 12 months because of what he could potentially do for one of the biggest markets in the MLS. I, I would also... Man. I would also argue that Puig is another buy in the MLS. Uh, he is on the Spanish national team with Pedri and, and Gavi and all those guys, and he's playing for LAFC. I mean, uh, LA Galaxy, and so he's probably the best player in the MLS. I would I would argue that the the best technical player. Now, a lot of people are going to argue with me there, but he's got a incredible market as well. Plus, his international career is still going to carry him pretty far. So he's another guy that I would invest in as the MLS player. But another buy, um, I'm interested in in. Now, this is going to be a hot take. I think we haven't seen the top of Holland's market because he's doing everything right. He's doing everything the same. Man City could win three, potentially three competitions uh, this year. I mean, they could take it and he's going to win the golden boot. I don't know why his prices haven't reflected that, but I think maybe at some point you'll see a big spike in him, but that's a, like a ten tentative, like, create your expectations there, you know, like know that he's already pretty uh, inflated, but I think like there's still room to grow on him uh, when I'm looking at charts and things like that. So um, I think Halan potentially could be a buy, which is crazy because he's been so good for so long. So Yeah, that's great, man. I think love the reasons to follow the MLS off the top and uh, LA galaxy striker. I'm going to look, look into him myself that's a that's a cool one um and yeah i agree on holland i mean i think like we saw mbappe's trajectory go like dip and then plateau and then rise over the course of basically two years 
um, in 2021 and 2022. And now it's like, we had this conversation, I believe a couple weeks ago, uh, within one of the last two episodes, I think we just had a brief conversation about Mbappe just being like solidified now <laughs> as like, yeah. you can't go wrong having him. And I see Holland in the, like right there with Mbappe. Like it's, it's almost like the only, I think like the only reason why he's not right there at the moment is because Mbappe just had the moments in the world cup, even though France didn't, didn't win. Um, basically Mbappe won. I think he won everybody over. So I think Holland is right there. Now he, he may or may not, as of now, he's not going to have really the, the world cup shot, but he's only 23 maybe like at the, I think that would be the oldest he is right now. 23. So, um, Southern soccer idiot is with you on Holland. He's the oh, only player that he acquires and does not sell. So that's great. Southern Soccer Idiot, good to see you on the show. Um, I hope to see Southern Soccer Idiot and some some of the rest of you. He's 22. 22. Nice. Riqui Puig. <laughs> Riqui Puig is way too good for the MLS. He's taking the easy money. And I hope to see him back in Europe in the next couple of years. That's interesting. SSC I think you will. Um, that's why I'm saying he's an opportunity for a guy that shouldn't be in the MLS, uh, which is not really a knock on the MLS in this case. Puig is just too good. He's just, he's so good. And uh, so I think we could get national attention on him. He's a guy that if you bought a card, you could watch him every week. Uh, it's not necessary. It's really obtainable to watch him every week. It's a galaxy team. That's, that's young. Um, and Puig is going to be, the, if they win, he's going to be the reason they win. And that's another reason why you should always listen to the sports card strategy show. Tell your friends to listen as well, because, um, you know, friends in the hobby, th- you're not going to buy all these cards. Like, so tell your friend, like tell your friends to listen to the sports card strategy show, just so that you can look smart in front of your friends and be like, Hey, Kendall said to buy these random dudes from the MLS. You should do that if, if you know. And uh, before we bring in Chad Gill, I mean, Chad, Chad's going to help talk about how you can use this information even if you don't want to collect Puig. Maybe you want some extra money to fund your PC. So we're going to bring him in in a second. Uh, before we get to our cells, um, Craig's Cards 11 uh, he's in Evansville, Indiana. Yeah, that's not too far from where I live. Pretty close to Kendall in Lexington. Uh, VJ, good morning to you as well. VJ loves Kendall's McLaren hat. RPO Sports Cards in the house. Good morning to you as well. Yes, let's have a great week. Love it. Um, yep, Oh My Shoes is is with me on the basketball cards. I know my guy, Gary from Hoops and Cards, is uh, would comment on my basketball cards uh, rant that I had earlier in the show. Greeny green. Good to see you. I like so the greeny green, green, like, like, uh, represents money, but I don't know. Like, I don't like the greeny green to me has stood out as like Richie rich green of the dollar bills, uh, with jaws uncertainty moving forward. He is grabbing some Tyus Jones. That's super interesting. Yeah. I mean, I didn't mention that jaws like out for two games when I talked about jaw and that that's also a sign like that. That's actually like, a bigger deal than it might seem. Some people might be like, oh, two game suspension, he'll be back. Well, yeah, but that's like getting suspended is like a bit can end up being a bigger deal. It can be a sign of other things. I yeah. hope it's not with Ja, but it could be. Um, 
Oh, my shoes is with me on MPJ. Well, he looks like maybe he was uh, ahead of me on MPJ. Got some rookie silver mosaic PSA nines before the season. Dumb cheap. Yeah, like even a few weeks ago when I was back at um, Atlanta Culture Collision, like MPJ's sick stuff was like 20 bucks. I mean, I like, and I was thinking, God, should I get this just to see? Uh, and I didn't because I invested in a bunch of other stuff. But um, yeah, Greeny Green is is definitely uh, definitely representing the Richie Rich and v VJ's with us on that one. So, all right, very cool. Appreciate everyone's uh, comments there. Keep them coming. We're gonna get to some audience questions after we do our sells and bring in Chad. So, Kendall, who are you selling right now? It, there's two blatant guys in spring training that have been on a tear in relation to where they have been previously. And and you're going to recognize both of the names probably. One of them is Jason Hayward is playing for the Dodgers. Um, and he is a guy that that used to play for the Cubs um, and was on that, that Cubs um, World Series team. It, no, not Jason Hayward. Sorry, that's a basketball player. Uh, frick, messing this up. But uh, we, anyway, I'll jump to the next guy real quick. If you'll uh, bear with me on the Dodgers pregame here real quick. But the other guy is Jared Kelenic. So Kelenic is destroying baseballs right now. And this is a guy that was a top prospect all over in the, a couple of years ago. And we are seeing him come back into spring training and he's got like four home runs in the first week of spring or first two weeks of spring training. He's electric. Looks like he's electric again. Here's my theory on this. I think he is, he's a guy that's super, super, super comfortable with average pitching. Like if you put him out there in triple a, he's going to be a triple a stud. And I think he gets into the major leagues and, it's just like maybe he's in his head or maybe it's just one level too high for him or I don't really know what the like why he hasn't been able to click it at the major league level. But Jared Kelenic is destroying baseballs once again for uh, the Seattle Mariners. The thing that I think is really cool about this is um, he is a he has a huge market share. And so there's a lot of people that invested really, really heavily in Jared Kelenic. Now, I have myself have a big Kelenic stash over here that I'm fixing to list today because I don't think that Kelenic is going to end up putting it all together. And maybe he will eventually, but I don't want to be around for that. Like, I don't want to be around for three years from now being like, whoa, I got some money on my Kelenic cards. I just want if. If he's going to destroy baseballs in three years, then I have an opportunity to get back in on him. What I need to do now is sell my massive stack of Kellenic cards because he was the, he was actually the second uh, baseball card I bought in 2020 when I started rebuying cards. So like I've had these cards for almost three years now, and I'm ready to, for him to be out of my portfolio for a minute. Uh, I, I've seen a lot of losses here, and so I think there's an opportunity for me to gain back some of it. Now, now this is just a hedge for me. Like I, I'm not gonna like be able to get back everything I was able to get from him when I bought him when he was the number four prospect in baseball, but I can get some stuff to flip back into a guy like Mason Hour, who I'm really searching into right now. So I think Jared Kelnick is an absolute sell right now. Um, 
And then while you do your sell, I'm going to look up this other guy's name so I can re come at this guy's name. That's cool. And, and actually my sell is super fast, but, um, before I get into mine, let me ask you on Kellenic because I think this is a great piece of content for everybody out there to understand. Um, because Kellenic was like the number one prospect in 2021, like leading into the 2021 season yeah, and possibly even before then, prior to that. Um, but anyway, when he got called up, he just absolutely sucked. And then they sent him back down and then they tried it again last year and it, it was the exact same result. So I wonder like when you buy, like say, say it happens with Jackson holiday, like let's just pretend. Um, and you don't sell like to me, the, the Kellenic thing in 2021 told me don't hold O'Neill. Like that, what I did with O'Neill Cruz the next, the next year was I just sold it when he got called up. Like I did because, because of what happened with Kellenic and, bec- and then, and then the same thing happened with Spencer Torkelson. So like Detroit Tiger, dusty Detroit Tigers hat here. Um, so like my question is what, like when you bought Kellenic and then were you, and then those two seasons happened, not once, but twice, were you now hoping literally for this spring training for him to do something so that you could dump him? Or like, what was your thought process? after? Uh, it honestly, like my thought process for Kellenic was like, crap, I held the bag too long. And I did, I was just like, I just, he's going to get a guy that's going to be traded around and he's going to have some good games. And I'm just going to be holding most of these cards forever. So I think that's where, that's where I, I was at with him. Now I'm at the strategy point where I'm like sell when they get called up or in spring training yeah. or when they're about to make the league. And if you, I mean, this is what Chad's going to talk about. This is how you could flip your, your investments for your PC. Like if I, if I love these guys down the road, I can flip five or six prospects into one of them, which is fine because like I'm dealing with so many prospects that I have the margin in some of these prospects to put into a PC later. So I think that's what he's going to talk about in a minute. But, um, I, I, you know, like, th- for instance, there's a guy this year that I'm looking to sell. Um, Sal Freelick is a guy who's been destroying baseballs uh, in, in spring training. And he's a guy that I bought pretty low last year. And he's a guy that I could make a little bit of margin on. I don't think he's going to be a top prospect. So I, I have some margin on him right now. So I'm probably going to put him on eBay next week. You know, so it's like, but that's just... I mean, like the Indy thing, the Indy Rodriguez. Do I believe Indy's going to be a big major league player? I do. But do am I going to hold all of his cards until he's like a, a, an MVP? No, I'm not. I don't think he's going to yeah. be an MVP. So I'm going to sell his cards like now. So you need to design a graphic visual that kind of shows like the the opportunity cost or whatever of like holding an Indy Rodriguez. What what's the chances of him becoming the MVP? And then what's he like? You even said it with Julio Rodriguez. Like you actually verbalized what we're talking about a few weeks ago with Julio Rodriguez when you said basically after he won Rookie of the Year and had like a an amazing rookie season, his card prices were about the same, maybe even a little lower than they were mm-hmm. at the beginning of the year when he got like when he basically got the call up, right? So. Yeah. All right, so my sell uh, is I'm going to bring in Chad right now because I'm going to give him some credit on this one. My sell is courtesy of Chad Gill. It is De'Aaron Fox. Um, Chad has been doing some writing 
for nooffseason.com, an analysis, phenomenal analysis for nooffseason.com, specifically helping with the play. So again, if you're not a premium member, uh, email me at paul at nooffseason.com and I'll help you get in there so you can check it out. Um, but Chad came back around and said, if you took our advice on holding the air and Fox cards, you're about to cash in on some profits. So, so we told you to basically buy and hold him earlier in the season. This is where you can benefit from our membership. And now he is a sell because in particular, his uh, 2017 Prism uh, Silver PSA 10 is up 52% right now in the last 30 days based on how, the, how he and the Kings have been playing. And so now is kind of the time where we talked about it earlier in the show where um, like with, with Maxi, it's like you wouldn't necessarily buy into Maxi right now because the risk is probably greater than the reward at this point based on his pricing. And that's the same with Fox, because if you think the Kings have a chance of winning the NBA championship, you're probably a little bit delusional. So um, now is probably the time to, to go ahead and, and just dump De'Aaron Fox. And then you can always buy back in. Like, so anyway, thanks to Chad for the great analysis on that at nooffseason.com. And, um, Good morning to Ryan Baruski. Just saw you commenting. Uh, thank you so much for the kind words on the show. Uh, let us know if you have any questions. So Chad, Gil, our, our, our main man here, we're going to let you do your thing for a few minutes on flipping to fund your PC. And then let's take some audience questions together. And if, whenever you have to jump off is totally, totally fine. So whatever time you can give us here on flip to fund your PC, we're all ears. Welcome, Chad Gill, audience member turned analyst for nooffseason.com and the Sports Card Strategy Show. Good morning. Um, you know, De'Aaron, writing that for De'Aaron Fox was one of the hardest things I've done because De'Aaron Fox is my son's favorite player outside of Giannis in the NBA. He has autographed jerseys, autographed cards, PSA 10s coming out our ears, and he refuses to... He, he doesn't want to sell any of his De'Aaron Fox, but my De'Aaron Fox, they're on eBay right now for sale because the whole hype cycle is to flip, to make the profits so you can fund your PC, and you can't get attached in this business to any one specific card or player for any for too long. So I know you guys have talked long before I ever came on the show about you can actually just focus on one player and make a bankroll. You, yeah. you, there's ups and down roller coasters with every single player over the course of a year or two years, different hype cycles, different uh, teams do well. You know, Damian Lillard drops 71 points. You know, there's, there's things that are going to cause cards to go up. And when that, when they go up, you got to sell on the way up. If you wait and try and time the peak, that's when you lose money. You end up with a three-year stash of Kelnick cards, right, Lefty? Yeah, man. Exactly. I was, I was I messaging Lefty the other day. I'm like, uh, you know, we got our sell of the week this week. This is an easy one. <laughs> yeah, he was like, hey, I'm calling this before the show. I was like, you're exactly right, bro. Awesome. There we go. Hey, Look, we can we we can be accused of pumping and dumping. 
Uh, I don't think we have the audience for that. That's that's exactly what I was gonna say. I think our audience, we're we're we are a very very niche show. We would love, I would love to have the influence to be able to pump and dump. But at this point, um, everyone listening, we appreciate you listening and watching. And if you want to help us get to the point where uh, we could pump and dump, uh, definitely do it. Share share the sports <laughs> strategy show with everybody, with everybody that you know. Anyway, Chad, back to you. What? What little nuggets do you have for us today, man? Well, you know, in in the uh, the light of the pump and dump, the nice the nice thing about um, the way that I do most of my funding to flip my PC is with the uh, the buying of a nine five or an eight five and cracking and and trying to go up. It the beauty of doing it that way is it has nothing to do with whether or not the team does well. And yes. with the De'Aaron Fox, like I had mentioned. When you're looking at their first round playoff or second round, and I don't think they're going to make it past the first round. Right now, they'd have to play the Dallas Mavericks. I mean, can you get a worse first round matchup than the Mavericks? Yeah. I mean, I think the Mavericks are one of the two or three teams that have a chance of coming out of the West. And, you know, that's the reward the Kings get for having the number three seed in the West that it almost seems unfair. But, um, I am working on, I'm, I'm going to be putting together a video this week on how to crack cards. I'm just waiting for what was my buy of the week. Um, I bought three of them. As I mentioned previously, I like to buy three, uh, SGC 9.5 Clayton Kershaw tops rookie cards. Uh, if you go to eBay, you can find on, on the second of this month, I just bought my third and final one. I bought it for $169. PSA 10s are selling for anywhere from $580 to $650 right now. And that's before the season gets going and he starts lighting things up again because he is arguably the greatest pitcher in the last 10 years consistently in the major leagues. Um, but I, I'm just shocked at how inexpensive you can buy a 9.5 SGC, CSG, BGS of a, you know, a goat really of this generation of, of one of the pitchers. Now, pitchers aren't great investments, but we're not talking about the episode of, you know, great investments for your PC. We're talking about flipping opportunities, right? And uh, that card, um, I... The average I bought them for 169, 185, and 134. The 134 was a CSG 9.5. Um, if I get 110 out of that, it pays for the other cards, and then whatever I got, it's free. It's free money, yeah. and that's what we're talking about when we're flipping to fund our PC is trying to find those pockets where you're playing with very little risk. You know. Um, I've been getting more and more into soccer as, as uh, my good buddy Crutch has got me. That's He's got me into soccer, which I can't believe because I, I can't stand watching the game of soccer. But um, that, that Puig call is, I think, brilliant because he's he's way too good for, um, for the MLS, like you had said. But there's so much risk involved in that. Um, how do you... How do you take your money and sit on it for six or 12 or 18 months on a, on a play like that? I'm into more flipping is it should be quick. 
Um, you know, if you had a hundred, everybody wants to say, how do you grow your bankroll? Well, you grow your bankroll by flipping it at least once a month. Whether you buy multiple cards, if you had a hundred dollar budget and you could flip it and make 20% and you flipped it once a month, at the end of the year, you got 350 bucks. You know, and now you're talking within one year, you're, you're going from a PSA nine of somebody you like to you upgrade to a 10 because you, at the end of the year, you take that $250 that you made, put that into your PC and you still got the hundred bucks that you started with. There's a lot less risk with doing something that way than, than prospecting. Now, don't get me wrong. I do a ton of prospecting because it's fun. It's fun. It's just not it's not the greatest way to fund your PC or it has the most potential for the biggest gains. You know, you hit a, you know, Sal Freelick, like I'm a huge Brewer fan being from Wisconsin. I've been watching him. I, I bought a whole bunch of his uh, colored parallels, non-autographed colored parallels. And I've got five of them at PSA right now. And if any of them come back tens, I'm going to cash in big. But if that guy makes the club this year and does anything at all, there's there's your home run hits for for flipping but if you want a safe way of doing it it's buying dollar bin cards at the local card show that with a good eye and you know getting them graded for to get a nine or a ten and two three four ten xing your your money or buying a card and cracking it and and hoping for a an upgrade yeah Yeah. absolutely and and chad i absolutely love your Clayton Kershaw example for today, um, for many reasons, the hobby is missing this type of content. And that's one of the biggest reasons why we're collaborating to create this for nooffseason.com. And I'm, I get just as excited personally about the ability to have like some arbitrage like that, uh, as much as I do with prospecting. So with Kershaw, what I like about it is you're taking an already established player with uh, a solid collector base, like a solid Clayton Kershaw, even though he's a pitcher and you made the, you made the great point is not, it's not a prospecting play. Like, well, it's not like a buying Clayton Kershaw as a player because you think his value is going to go up. It's, it's actually completely different. It's buying an already established player with a market, with a collector base where it's just a simple, this is a gem mint in the case of CSG if it's an older CSG slab, the nine five was their older gem mint gem mint. So if it's that, or in the case of SGC nine five, it's a grading company, notoriously hard, hard to get a 10, maybe a nine five does cross over into a PSA 10. And it's not at all, has nothing to do really with Clayton Kershaw's performance, except for the fact that we just kind of know he's going to dominate. So it's like, it's like this profile can be applied across baseball um it's not it's different than baseball prospecting it's another way to get involved in baseball cards to flip to fund your pc to make money even if you want to do this move to keep the money in your pocket like we're not gonna that's what this show is about as well of course and so uh it can be also applied this concept can be applied across other sports right like you could probably take a Kawhi Leonard, for example, and do like a similar thing. Like I haven't done the numbers on it, but you could probably take um, like a, 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 like a Derek Henry, potentially, you know, different players across different sports. And I'm not saying 
buy the card, hold the card and expect the value to go up. And I'm saying, do, do what Chad just said to do, do the research around where the crossover opportunity could happen. My question, my follow-up question for you is, do you have like a general gem rate or could you report back to us on kind of a gem rate as you do this on an SGC nine, five over to a PSA 10? Cause I think the hobby is probably also missing that data as well. And I'd love to be able to to give our audience uh, some insights into like, and this is probably something I might need to do more often so that we have this data as well. Um, but but the the crossover rate of an SGC 9.5 to a PSA 10 is something I'm super interested in. Yeah, so I, I wrote that down in case anybody asked. My I've been doing this for about a year now. And my experience is uh, last year um, I cracked... 4295 SGC 95s. So I had 42 of them so far that I've gotten back from PSA within the last year. Uh, out of the 42, the gem rate 10 is 62%. What? 62%. That is outstanding. That's a play, everybody. If you don't know what we're talking about, <laughs> SGC 95 is not a gem mint. Um, it's like one step one half step below an SGC gem mint card. So what Chad is saying is that based on his sample size, which I think 42 cards is enough of a sample size to say that that's a, that's, that's a pretty good play to go on. Is that like, if Chad said, well, I did it with three cards and two of them got a PSA 10, it'd be like, well, that's promising. But 42 cards to get 62% of them back as a PSA 10, that's a play. So what did it always, did it yield like the profit in that? Like what's the extrapolate that out into the actual like profit margins if you can, cause that's awesome. Well, like I said, I like to do, well, you haven't sold all of them yet though, right? No, no. I, I mean, quite a few of them I have. And right now I currently, because I've been doing more and more of this because it's becoming the safest, easiest way to flip the money. Um, but I'm learning as I go there too, because timing matters. So a lot, I have, I have two orders at PSA right now that I thought had a ton of baseball that should have been back by now, based on some of the, uh, my earlier ones, I was getting them back in about five weeks on that, on the bulk orders. And right now I've got two of them that are there for seven weeks. They're, they've been sitting in QA two for two weeks and it's oh, killing man. me because I need those to be. Yeah, come on, QA2. I've got some of that going on too. Let's before go. Before the season, I've, I've got five PSA orders there right now, but I've got two of them sitting in QA2 for two weeks. But you got to make sure when you're doing this, even though there's margins to be had, if you want to maximize your margins, timing matters. You have to take into account, you got to figure six or eight weeks, whatever it's going to be for the time to, to do it. And then look at it like, when is the best time to flip these players? Yeah. Um, you know, okay. I would argue right now it's it's almost too late to do for basketball because the playoffs are going to be happening in, happening in May. If you send off an order now and you don't get it back till the middle of May and your 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 player gets knocked out in the first round, you're getting I mean it's getting really close. You maybe could get another week or two and get lucky on a basketball play, but I mean the next 60 days is football season. You should be looking at football right now because when you buy them, crack them and send them in, you're going to be getting them back in 
May, June, and July is like the peak of the year for football. Right going into the national, everybody starts talking about football, football, football. Yeah. Right into the beginning of the preseason. So you got to kind of make sure that you're you're playing that ahead of time. Like the best time of year to buy baseball is Thanksgiving to Christmas. That's typically the lowest time of the year. So you're going to, so you want to make sure that you're timing, not just making the play to flip, but you're thinking far enough out in advance that you're, you're thinking planning that it's going to take six or eight weeks to get the cards back. That's amazing. So we're talking about cracking slabs. We're talking about using all the same principles when we just buy to flip later and uh, it's brilliant. We're talking SGC nine fives, uh, CSG nine fives, BGS nine fives over into PSA tens, but, but very specific. We're not saying like, it's always going to work. This is actually something where Chad spends a lot of his time researching. What is the specific card in the specific grade for the specific player? So this is actually like, in my mind, one of the more scientific ways to, if not the most scientific way to build out your bankroll in sports cards to either put, put more money in your pocket, fund your life or fund your PC, which I think mo most of us are probably uh, the most interested in. So this is phenomenal. And we've already got um, greeny green saying this is good enough for him. He's going to look for some Luca. Um, and again, like Luca's a guy. So to Chad's point, like Luca's probably late for this year, but Luca's Luca. So like Luca is like, if you want to do Luca, that's fine because there's always the next year with Luca. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like if Luke Luca could get to the NBA finals this year, lose, but then win the championship next year, like he's that guy. So I think he's he's a safe one if you can find obviously the numbers working in your favor. I don't know. Sokka is a guy in soccer for VJ chiming in, gonna look for some nine fives. Jude Bellingham's name being mentioned in the comments by VJ as well. Uh, Rusty Immigard, good to see you on the show. Um, you have missed a lot, but the good news is that you can catch this right back on YouTube, Apple, or Spotify. So you really actually haven't missed it. boy, Rusty. Um, good to see you on the show. And then Ryan Burusky. We might need to have Ryan Burusky come on the show because he seems um, way funnier than I could ever be in the comments. Um, <laughs> crack, in this case, does not kill, he says. Um, so, and then Ryan says, so... Can I deduce that the yield for SGC tens to PSA tens would be even better? Um, well, like, and bias wouldn't play. That's a good, I'm glad you asked this because we're actually not talking in this context about crossover grading. Sometimes we do. Crossover grading is where you send in the actual slab to PSA from the other grading company. And I think there are certain times where that makes sense. I've talked about doing it with Beckett authenticated autos quite a bit, but actually Chad, I'll let you, I'll let you take this, but Chad's talking about um, cracking the slab and we have gotten requests from our audience on your video. So when you do post your video on your channel, Chad, let me know. And I'm going to blast it out for everybody because people are asking for that, how to crack a slab video from you. But, 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 but to Ryan's question, SGC tends to PSA tends any data on that. Yeah. I'll, I'll rattle this off the, I'm hoping the video, I can make the video. I'm hoping this Wednesday because my, uh, my last uh, Kershaw, I've already cracked the first two, but this last one, I wanted to actually take a Kershaw that could be a $600 card and crack it. I, I don't like the people that do these videos with, you know, they take a $2 card and they crack it in case they wreck the card. 
right. done enough of these. I want to take an expensive card and do it live so everybody can see I'm not worried about doing this. If you do it properly, you don't have to worry about damaging the card. But here, here's the data that I have from, from my small sample size of doing this. Um, so 42 SGC 9.5s I've crossed over successfully 62% to PSA 10s. I've had 19 CSG 9.5s. Surprisingly enough, those only crossed over at 47%. So I had better luck with SGC 9.5s than I did CSG. However, it flips on the 10s, which is kind of crazy. I've had 21 SGC 10s cross over to PSA 10s at 71%. So there's only about a 9% difference in 10s, PSA 10s, from an SGC 9.5 to an SGC 10. So I like the 9.5s because for 9%, you're typically saving 25% from a SGC 10 to a 9.5. So for that 9%, I'm going to roll the dice if I can, and I'm going to look for a 9.5. Um, and then I've had 11 CSG 10s that I've cracked out and those have, have gone 88%. So CSG 10s are, are damn near uh, perfect. I mean, nine out of 88%, that's, that, to me, that's almost great. However, I crack everything. I don't cross over anything anymore because my crossover rate from an SGC 10, so I stopped doing this, I had four, this is a small sample size. I had four SGC 10s that I tried to cross over in the slabs. I got zero PSA 10s. So that's where, do you think bias comes into play? Absolutely, absolutely, no doubt about it. I had nine CSG 10s. I had one crossover to a PSA 10. So that's 11 cards from two graders that were 10s trying to get a 10. And I got one out of 11. So I crack everything now. I mean, if I can get 50 to 70% by cracking them and submitting them, why? And and it's more expensive. It's way cheaper. Yeah, over. it's way cheaper to you know, crack because you can submit at the bulk. You can submit level. it at the bulk level and save yourself a ton of money and time. The bulk is coming back right now in five to six weeks. The crossover is still a good 10 weeks. So it costs more money. Your percentage of crossover tens is lower, and it takes twice as almost twice as much time. I mean, there I don't see any reason to use PSA's crossover um, at all because my experience has not been good. Yeah, my only reason is with a Beckett authenticated auto, just because I want PSA to if I want PSA to put an auto grade on it. Uh, and a card grade, then I want PSA to know that it is an authenticated auto. But yeah, you're right. And uh, great question, Ryan. Great stuff, Chad. Thanks, everybody. Um, yeah, Chad, that's really good info, Chad. Thanks, man. Yeah, Kendall, do you have any other questions for Chad before? And you're more than welcome to hang around and help us answer audience questions, Chad. But I know you've got other stuff you need to get to. So it's totally yeah, up to you. I'm going to buzz out here in about 10 minutes. So Okay. Kendall, any questions for Chad before we get into our audience questions? So you have data on SGC and CSG. Um, have you done any Beckett data? Like I know a lot of people are subbing uh, or looking at subgrades on Beckett autos. I do Beckett. To me, Beckett is the most difficult one to crack and cross because of the subgrades. So my sample sizes, I have, I have a fair amount. I've had 23 
9.5 Beckett's, but because the subgrades are always different, you know, you get a nine, you get three nine fives and a nine or two tens and two nine fives for a nine five, because it's there's so many different combos of what you can crack and cross, I find it harder for that data to be accurate. Mm, okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So the ones that I've the ones that I've had the success with are um, if you can get a nine five or a ten on Beckett for the corners and the centering, you got a real good shot at a PSA ten. PSA is much less um, stringent on surface than Beckett is. So if you get a you know if you got three nine fives but the nine is on surface, you probably got a chance at a ten. But if you get a nine on a corner or an edging on Beckett you're never going to get a, a that that does not pay to cross or crack PSA will destroy it PSA centering is to me of the of the four I think PSA's got as hardest on centering and corners especially on the thicker cards like you had that I yeah. love your origins card that you showed at the beginning of the show love it anybody UK you know you, I'm a UK cats guy so love 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 the maxi origins but that thicker card really hard to get a 10 I mean, really hard to get a 10. Um, yeah. Cracking thicker cards that are nine fives to try and cross over to tens, that percentage is less than 10% from what I've had. So just for the record, do not be buying thick stock cards and trying to cross over to a PSA because they will go down a half a grade, not up a half a grade. PSA is the hardest in the market on thick stock cards. It's, it's ridiculous. That's great insight. I'm glad you asked Kendall because like for, for Chad to break it down is like, kind of breaking it down as simple as like, you look, if you got center, if you got corners and centering nine, five, good chance. But other than that, it's going to be hard. I really, I think that's useful info. Um, so a uh, quick, couple quick uh, questions uh, coming in on the chat and then we'll get to some audience questions that were emailed in uh vj asks does psa not authenticate autos no they do let me let me clarify psa authenticates autos what i the play specifically that i've talked about on the show multiple times is i will go buy a beckett authenticated auto that's already in a slab that doesn't sell for as high as something in a psa slab my goal is to examine to the best of my ability, the card and the auto in the photos and determine if there's going to be a profit margin. If it's simply in a PSA slab with a card grade and an auto grade, the reason I crossover grade that is because if I crack that and send it in, there's no proof that the player signed it. It's just PSA. I, now all of a sudden I could, I it's $50 to send it in, in the slab. Or it's like $19 with a bunch of other cards if I decide to do it that way. I would rather pay the extra 31 if I'm doing the math correctly, $31 for the proof of auto <laughs> by the player. Um, because these are not, these are, and maybe, maybe I haven't made myself clear on this. These are, these are event signed cards. So they're not, they're Beckett authenticated autos. They're not, Panini authenticated or tops authenticated. So just to clarify, 
uh, VJ's question. And then Greeny Green has a great question. Do certain brands cross over better? Now we're really testing Chad here because he's already just knocked the ball out of the park, but wondering if he has any data around like brands. So for example, in Greeny Green's example, like Prism versus Contenders, something like that. That is a great question. It's not one that I have tracked. I do have everything in a spreadsheet so that I could I could probably calculate that for next week for you. Um, but I, I, that's not something that I have at my fingertips. But uh, I haven't noticed, other than the thicker cards not grading as well, um, I haven't really paid that much attention to if uh, optic versus a prism. Um, but I'll, I'll put that together for next week. The fact that you are tracking this in a spreadsheet like gives us, even if I were to help you with, even the fact that you're tracking it gives us the ability to pull that data. So even if you need help with that, Chad, let me know and maybe we can, I can help you put put that analysis together. For yeah, the I'm going to make a note to make sure I, I calculate that for next week. So That's a, I'm really glad. This is great though. Greeny green like that. This is why I love this show and why I love, well, love doing this. Um, Ryan Bureski says he's like the beautiful mind of sports <laughs> strategy show. Um, all right. So let's get to some of the audience questions real quick. And then I understand if our co-hosts have to drop off cause we're already going a little long, but I want to get to everybody's questions today. So Craig Hutton talks about, I'm going to pull up the photo here in a second, but he talks about a one of one Colson Montgomery auto that was pulled, but there was no auto on the card. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping lefty is familiar at least somewhat with this situation yeah. after the original owner posted, uh, on Twitter about the issue Colson responded and tweeted to the original owner that he would make it right, which Craig thought was really cool. Uh, Craig's been collecting Colson's cards of late because he grew up not far from where Craig lives. Um, little shocked to see the card show up on eBay a few weeks later. So he re- Craig reached out to the owner and worked out a deal. Now Craig has the card with no auto. Um, he, the owner, the previous owner of the card mentions he did correspond with Colson and he got him in touch with his tops representative, but that had kind of stalled. What might be your suggestion on getting this fixed? I just thought about sending Colson a DM to see if we could meet after one of his games and if he could sign it, would there be any issue if he then sent it into PSA after that? Would PSA notice there wasn't a sticker auto and on-card auto? This is I like this. It's loaded. It's a loaded question, but there's there's a lot to unpack here. But I really do like this question. So thanks, Craig, uh, for 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 the question. I'm gonna pull up a picture of the card here um, on my screen. But Kendall, is this something that you're um, familiar with in terms of? You, t- you can talk about Colson Montgomery. You can talk about the 101. Talk about the situation. What you would do, and then I'll kind of chime in here too. No, I'm familiar with this scenario. Uh, I saw it on Twitter. I saw how Colson reached out to him and said, I'll fix this. Uh, honestly, good good publicity for all around for White Sox and Colson Montgomery, who is a top prospect in that product as well. Um, this is the one-of-one one mojo from a Bowman paper. It's not his first as well. So this is um, a card that is unique in itself. So like you're already saying like this has a lot of variables, and it does. Um, because it's even a paper mojo one of one as well. So, but what I would say is for the, for our buyer here that did reach out to them and did purchase it. Um, I I think there's a good chance you're still going to get this sign from Colson. He seems to be like a person that is working, uh, to make it right. 
a lot of times Colson can't do autograph stuff without his agent's representative, which is why he's got to have to, you got to go through his tops representative. Um, I would say just keep hammering that. I don't think you're going to have a, a, a likelihood of getting it signed from him at a game because I think there's some licensing things saying that he can't do that for some reason. But what I will say I'm just figuring there. I'm just figuring that he probably has some stipulations why he can't sign it and why he has to go through a tops representative. Now, what I will say is if you did get him to sign it and it wasn't the same like pen uh, as his original autos, like I would take one that's either black or blue, depending on what the other autos looked like. These, these cards are signed in like on card. So if you got it on card, assuming that nobody listens to, uh, nobody that you're selling it to listens to no offseason.com <laughs> you could you could play it off as just like this is his one of one auto because it's a it, it would already be an on card auto plus it would be him signing it so i don't see why this wouldn't be um it's already messed up as a top certified autograph it literally even says top certified autograph yeah. right above his name and there's no autograph there so you could probably s- send it back into tops as well but that's going to force like a redemption back and all it's going to take freaking forever so i would just keep the card try to uh interact with his representative and if nothing else this card probably could still sell as a standalone because it's a colson montgomery 101 it's a freaking cool story and a cool card even without the auto because it says top certified autograph issue one of one. Yeah. Um, it is one of those things where Lefty and I talk about like the more you have to explain something, the harder it is to sell it in, yeah. in this world. So um, I do feel your pain on that, but I think it's really cool, Craig, that you went out and you have this story now. You have this card. I would just as a sport... Uh, see, my experience is uh, from being a sports fan and from working in professional sports and having gone to a lot of games and ha- kind of having a knack for like what, what the players' routines are and when to get autographs and like my, something that my son and I have done a lot of. So um, m- more as fans than as like f- trying to do it for... M- monetary value but i would say like going to if you go to a game i'm gonna basically piggyback on what lefty said everything lefty said i i I love that i would take that as the real answer if this were me if i had this card i would go to i would try to go to a game with my son and i would bring the card and i would i i think you're gonna get if he already knows about this colson I think you're going to get a good uh, moment with him about the card to lefty's point. I don't think he would sign it, but you'll probably get a cool moment with some photo and a conversation. And maybe, maybe he'll sign something else for you. And then eventually he will sign this card. Like it'll be another with these guys. If you think about in your life, you're busy. You need to be reminded multiple times to do, to do the same thing. Now multiply that by like 700 for a professional athlete. So, this is just, uh, it would be another fun touch point for Colson to see this at a game. He would probably to lefty's point say, I can't sign it, but dude, like nice to meet you. Like we'll meet again soon where I can sign it for you kind of thing. I love lefty's idea of getting the same color pen. I think Chad would probably agree. So um, let's move on to the next question, but good stuff. Thanks, Craig. Thanks for being a loyal listener of the show. Uh, keep it coming. I, he asked me a question about why I lived in Europe, basically just because um, we wanted a different experience for our family. Uh, thanks for asking about that personal question, but I'm happy to be back in the United States. Rusty, Emma Gart, 
Russ, my man. His question is uh, around old 70s tops tall basketball cards. He sent in cards to Beckett, and um, I'm going to attempt to show the results of his cards, but essentially a couple of them came back. So, like, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, 1974-75 tops, came back with a final grade of four and a half. Um, and then there were three other, four other cards. Michael Jordan, 90-91 Fleer came back altered. And then Wilt Chamberlain, 61-62 Fleer came back questionable authenticity. 86-87 Jordan, questionable authenticity. 69-70 Tops Lou Alcindor, questionable authenticity. So what I would say quickly on this from my experience is that because we see altered for the Jordan, this is Beckett. So I don't have, I've never graded anything with Beckett. So I don't know, but I've with PSA and SGC quite a bit because we have one that says altered and it's a 1990 Fleer. And then we have three from the sixties that, uh, well, two from the sixties and one from uh, the 80, 86, 87 Jordan that we all know that say questionable authenticity. Those to me would be reprints. That would be their nice, that that's their nice way of saying you sent us a reprint card um, because uh, altered, if it were altered, you would get an altered grade, which I do know that means the card's authentic, but it's been altered in some way. Um, maybe not intentional, but maybe it's been intentionally trimmed something in between there. And so you can actually sell those cards for quite a bit of money. But unfortunately, I think you've got, a, a three reprints, um, of those other ones, but, uh, Chad Kendall, do you have anything to add to that answer? Do you think I'm right? Or do you think, uh, anything to add there? I think you're spot on. Um, I've, I've had that happen before as well. It, I've, I had a, a Jordan sticker rookie, a 86 Jordan sticker rookie that I was a hundred percent certain was real. I tried all four I tried CSG, SGC, Beckett, and PSA, and every single time it came back. So then I even I got desperate. So then I even tried GEM grading because <laughs> I'd heard that they'll sometimes slab non-real cards. Uh, so I even tried that, and they and they sent it back as questionable authenticity. That it means it's a reprint, one hundred percent. And cool. a 1990 Fleer card that's altered, the most likely what happened there is somebody probably had it in a, one of those screw down four screw holders. And if they tighten them too tight, they flatten out the corners and they're, then the, they don't measure quite right. So they're considered uh, altered. Yeah. That's what I, I see a lot. I think you're exactly right. Rusty just chimed in in the comments and said that that one uh, they said was altered. So that makes a ton of sense. Now, one thing I will say, Rusty, is that you can take the altered one if I'm not sure if BGS slabs altered cards or not. I know that um, SGC does. So what you can do in a situation like this with an altered card is send it to SGC. And I think it's still like 30 bucks to get one card graded. So you might be you might be like dig, like com completely un eliminating your entire profit margin with that particular card. But if, if anyone out there listening has a different card that's older, that sells for a little bit more than that Jordan 1990 Fleer, um, you can take an altered card 
if if other companies won't slab it, you can send it to SGC. They'll slab it with the A. That's what the A grade is. It means it's technically it means it's authentic, but like to me, it means authentic altered. And so um, anyway, that's another play. So I, last I gotta I gotta sorry guys, I hate to interrupt. I gotta run. All right, Chad. Thanks again for everything. Great week. job. We'll see you again. Yeah, we'll see you again soon. All right, um, thanks. Chad Gill, everybody. Really appreciate his work at nooffseason.com and Sports Card Strategy Show. Um, real quick, Ryan Bereski says that uh, he had the same experience with a second-year Jordan. PSA sent it back an MBA at PWCC. Yeah, I'm familiar with that. Sent it back. SGC graded it a five. That's interesting. Keep keep trying, basically. Yeah, I'd be I would be happy with a five, especially after all of that. Um, all right, so here is Scott Fuquay. My main man, Scott Fuquay, emails me a lot of questions. Always happy to answer any of your questions that you email me at paul at nooffseason.com. What is your opinion on redemption cards? Redeem them or sell the redemption card? Kendall, I need your help with this one. There are uh, five specific cards that Scott sent me. To me, my, my overall answer is it, it depends on the card. It depends on your patience level. Um, and it depends on the brand. A lot of different, like there's a lot of different variables here, but Julio Rodriguez, 2022 Panini Prism debut signature silver prism redemption. Trey Murphy, the third, three different Trey Murphy, the thirds, 2021 Panini select auto, 2021 Panini recon auto, 2021 Panini recon Jersey auto. And finally a Josh Sargent, 2021 Panini Chronicles ticket auto serial numbered out of the random 289. I so I have redeemed some redemption cards and they took forever and a half to come back. Even if they did come back, they were not what I expected them to be. I would say no matter what, from now forward, I've kind of set a precedent for myself that if if I pull a redemption, I'm just going to sell the card. I'm not going to scratch it. I'm not going to redeem it. I'm just going to sell it for what it's worth and keep moving because most of the time these redemption autos are taking forever to come back to you. And sometimes the player never intends to actually sign. Like I know LaMelo had like a ton of redemptions at one point that were out there and LaMelo wasn't going to sign them, but they were still like moving like, Oh, maybe I'll get something for this. It's just like, there's a lot of different things about redemptions. There's even a clash a class action lawsuit about redemptions that, um, I believe favored it in favor of the card company, but um, I hate them. They're the worst part, I think, of card of opening a pack of cards. Like when you see a redemption on them, like frick, you know, like like I just got to move this on eBay now for whatever I can, rather than pulling a sick auto for like one time we got a uh, like I think it was like an out of fifty Torkelson auto in a Bowman set that would have been worth a freaking butt ton of money. But we sold the the redemption for like, I think, you know, maybe half of what it would have gone for. Uh, you know, it's just disappointing. It, it, honestly, it's the worst part of the hobby, I think, um, other than eBay scammers. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I would always sell the redemption. It's a tough place to be in, but just get it out of your hands, man. Let somebody else be, especially when we're talking about six to 12 months flipping. Like that's kind of been the precedent that that Paul and I have kind of talked about the timeline with which we talk about most of these things is six to twelve months. 
other than vintage, I think that's where we're at with that. Um, but um, you're not even going to get these back in six to 12 months. I think I've heard of like three or four situations where they come back fast and that's that those are few and far between. So, yeah. Great answer, Lefty. I'm glad you have a, a firm answer on that. I'm going to echo your thoughts and just say sell the redemption cards. I'll add a little bit of a twist to it. I think that, you know, you've got J-Rod, Trey Murphy the third, and Josh Sargent. All three of these guys happen to be pretty hot right now also. Like I just looked up Josh Sargent because I don't pretend to know this off the top of my head, but apparently he he scored a couple goals last week yeah, uh, or a couple, a couple weeks ago not last week but he's been he's scored a couple goals so josh Sargent is a u.s men's national team member and soccer for those of you who don't know um this is panini chronicles ticket auto so um that headline in a ebay search would be a good one right now um trey murphy the third has had some amazing outings this season for for the pelicans he's he's been on fire um just really like can shoot the three take it i mean aggressive uh dunker and a good defender so i think um selling him now would be the play anyway so i think you kind of have to look at is the player you know sell like lefty said but then even on top of that it's like another reason to sell scott is that these guys are hot right now. So their name in an eBay search is going to have more, more eyeballs on it. And that's how you would list. You would obviously put redemption in the headline and in the description. And then you'd have a photo of the redemption card, but you would have the list there. All of the, that stuff in the listing is going to actually show, show it uh, towards the top of the search and should get a lot of eyeballs. That also helps. Kendall's made this point on the show before, which I don't want to forget. That also helps more eyeballs on your other listings. So th that's a collateral benefit of actually listing these redemption cards right now for these particular players. So I really like that. Um, and then Craig's cards 11 who chimed in earlier in the show is actually Craig Hutton who has the Colson uh, card that we talked about earlier. So we're more than happy to take your question. He says he did DM Colson last week, but no response. Yeah, you gotta just keep you gotta just keep trying. You'll 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 get there. You gotta try to go to a game and like meet him, uh, unfortunately. But don't obviously like spring training is gonna be hard. Um really, really cool to have the card. Um, I'm sure you'll be able to sell it at some point if you want to sell it. Um, there'll be a market for that card. But yeah, Craig, thanks again um for your question. Everybody, thanks so much for all of your questions. Thanks for watching and listening to the Sports Card Strategy Show. We are growing. We are we are getting bigger and bigger, but we're always going to be here for our our core audience and we want more and more of you to be our core audience. So, if you're a loyal listener and have not asked a question yet, please reach out Lefty McKee on social media, Sports Card Strategy on Instagram, No Offseason uh, Card on on Twitter. And Paul at nooffseason.com, of course, is that's honestly probably the best way to get me because I'm always checking and responding to my emails more so than I am uh, on social media. But um, anyway, everybody, thanks so much for watching and listening. Lefty, anything else you want to add before we uh, we take them to the rock music today? Uh, I think I'm really interested in the WBC that starts this week, the World Baseball Classic. I uh, didn't really get enough time to talk about that. There's a, some, a lot of big names that are going to be in it. Um, and some of them that are going to be interesting on the investing market, trout being probably the one that I'm most uh, 
most looking at. So look out for the WBC. It's real baseball happening, competitive baseball. So, Kendall, how does that affect spring training? Is that simple? Is that just like, hey, these guys that are in the WBC don't really need spring training anyway, so they're just they're going to use it as a better, more elevated real life game experience than what they would get in spring training, and then they're they're going to be able to be done and start the big league season uh at at on the or is or does it affect their ability to start the big league season i think it does affect the the big league season at some level a lot of teams are asking players not to play depending on their situation um i know it's particularly interesting for pitchers because they ramp up early uh, which which is not good for your arm like your arm works in cycles um especially if you've got you you know your 10 years into a career your arm knows when it's needing to get start get ready and when you throw that off and you're throwing meaningful innings in March, like that's uh, I, I just I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan when it comes into longevity of the player in terms of their major league career. Um, like, for instance, I'm a little bit worried that Trout's going to go into this WBC and his back issue is going to ha- happen again. Now, like, I don't you know, like he's already seen we've missed a couple of years of like he's borderline the the injury prone tag and then he's going to be on this wbc roster it's a little bit scary um and but it is what it is There you are. Yep. The stream got interrupted. So uh, I'm not sure how StreamYard's going to handle all of that. Uh, apologize, everybody. But uh, <laughs> anyway, we were about at the end of the show anyway. Kendall, I know you made a point about uh, Trout and some other guys, uh, how their bodies are going to hold up. And um, good stuff, everybody. Thanks again. Um, what do you say we cue that rock music? Cue it, baby. Have a cue good- it. <laughs>